Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing An American Werewolf in London from 1981, directed and written by John Landis, starring David Naughton, Jenny Agutter, and Griffin Dunn. In this movie, after two friends are attacked by a monster while backpacking through Europe, one of them struggles to determine if he's been turned into a werewolf or if he's actually just losing his mind. And this is a request from a few people, from Mike, Matt, and a reviewer that had a username C. Fudzinski, something like that. So at least three people requested this, so so we are getting it done right now. And boy, Ashwin, 137 episodes in, we are discussing our first werewolf movie on the show. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm not really drawn to werewolf movies, but yeah. um, Ginger Snaps is really good. Yeah, I forgot that was a werewolf. Actually, that's surprising. Yeah. You ever you ever see a Teen Wolf? Oh yeah, I loved Teen Wolf as a kid. Yeah, yeah I always wanted to rewatch that. Let's get on. Yeah, I feel like The Howling was just okay in my mind. Yeah, that was also werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm gonna listen to these titles, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the title. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Werewolves like uh, generally haven't been something like uh, I've, I've sought out. Uh, like, I mean, do you find them like very scary or interesting? No, no. I feel like it was something I was more intrigued by as a kid. Mm, yeah. I used to make a drawing of a werewolf <laughs> <laughs> that I named Cupcake. Oh, man. And I would draw him, like, dunking a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Just your average uh, cupcake. <laughs> average world. <laughs> why, why was his name Cupcake? I don't know. It was, like, that weird thing where someone's badass, but you give them an ironic name. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I would watch that movie. Yeah. I'll get to work on that script. All right. <laughs> there will be basketball. Oh, shit. Team Wolf already did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. But I, I like this version. Yeah. So not only is this a werewolf movie, but it's also a horror comedy. And I was kind of feeling like it had to be one of the first commercially successful horror comedies. Yeah, that's the feeling I'm getting from like a lot of the reviews and like uh, all the movies that influenced. Uh, wait, like, I mean, do you recall any horror comedy films before 1981? Yeah, and I mean, there were certainly... Um, successful ones too there was tales from the crypt although mm. i've never seen that i'm not sure how heavy the comedy is there young frankenstein rocky horror oh. um like further back there's like abbott and costello meet Fra- frankenstein or something like that um but this one i think was a bit unique in that it was truly juggling scariness and comedy sure uh an extreme gore and it made 62 million at the box office yeah pretty big success yeah that's awesome Oh, so you think, like, uh, compared to those ones, this one was actually more in the horror uh, corner, like, actually trying to be scary, whereas those ones That's were just... That's what I would guess, but I haven't seen all those. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, I could see that. Uh, yeah, so a beloved movie. It's got Rotten Tomatoes rating of 87%, IMDb 7.5 out of 10, Letterboxd 3.9 out of 5. And yeah, it's influenced a lot of movies. Um, Edgar Wright, who did Shaun of the Dead, cited this as an influence in his filmmaking. Um, so you can definitely see that kind of a, it's got like an eighties comedy vibe too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that became such like a classic thing with Beetlejuice, Gremlins, um, uh, Evil Dead 2, I think like a lot of those movies like, uh, claim this as like their influence, which I could totally yeah. see. 
Yeah, and John Landis did a lot of, his background was kind of more comedy heavy. He did Blues Brothers, Animal House, Trading Places, Three Amigos. That's awesome. I mean, I feel like even today, like some of the best horror directors like have a background in comedy or like come from that area. So it's, it's cool yeah. that uh, this was happening back then too. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then he would go on to direct Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Yeah. That's awesome. So cool. Yeah, when when I saw that, like suddenly the uh, do, do you know if it was like the same makeup artist too that uh, worked on Thriller? It was. Yep, it was Rick oh. Baker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Visually, like it looks very similar. Yeah, for sure. And this movie won the first ever Academy Award for Best Makeup. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, for, uh, Rick Baker won it, and he won that award a record of seven times and was nominated a record of eleven times. Wow. That guy's done like so many films. I mean, have you have you seen his filmography? Who Rick Baker's? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A huge, pretty huge cool. List. Yeah, yeah. And his wins were for he won for this one. He won for Harry and the Hendersons, Ed Wood, The Nutty Professor, Men in Black, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Wolfman from 2010. Wow, two wolf movies, huh? Yeah, yeah. Good, good for him. It was interesting. I've never seen that The Wolfman movie, but I saw an interview with him where he's like, yeah, I would love to get the opportunity to do a transformation scene again with a little bit of an assist from CGI and meld that with practical effects. And yeah, I'm, I would guess that's what he got to do with The Wolfman. Oh, okay, okay. He didn't do American Werewolf in Paris? Mm, you know, that's a good question. Yeah, I feel like that would I would a- guess not. He wasn't involved. I, I think... That was criticized for being pretty CGI heavy. Yeah, what did that? That seems like a huge miss. Like that's like one of the <laughs> big parts of this movie, and like you're doing a, a like yeah, a spinoff, and you're not going to have that guy. Yeah, so that was a sequel in 1997, and it has currently a seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my god, it's that bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. I remembered liking it. I saw it in the theater when I was 14. Yeah, but I didn't didn't know shit. Damn, you got into so many R movies, man. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny because when we started this podcast, I always thought of myself who got into horror, a person who got into horror at a later age, but then I'm like, no, I saw a bunch of these in the theater. <laughs> in theaters, yeah. <laughs> when Damn, I was pretty man. young. Yeah, I just remember being that age, like wanting to go to see these movies and I couldn't. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, your parents cared too much. I guess. <laughs> yeah, then we, we both end up here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, back on that topic of it being both comedy and horror, like both pretty fully feet in both categories. That's part of why he had trouble making this. The screenplay was shelved for over a decade and everybody he pitched it to either thought it was too funny to be a horror film or too scary to be a comedy film. Yeah, right. That's that's really funny. Like, uh, yeah, trying to bridge that uh, that gap between the genres. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I saw that a lot. Uh, do, do you feel like, did you, did you feel that way watching it? No, but I mean, we've got a whole like decades of filmmaking that yeah. was influenced by this to, you know, influence our perception of this movie. Sure. So it was like back then you like pick one or the other and like lean that way. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Really or, you know, you could kind of blend the two, but to have is <laughs> gory of scenes as this and his, uh, heinous kills and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there was some argument over Rick Baker and John Landis about a two-legged werewolf versus a four-legged. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 I think they ended up with a four, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I kind of would have wanted to, like, this transformation scene is, you know, something special. I would yeah. never change the transformation scene, but for other aspects of the movie, you know, 
I always kind of thought of a werewolf as being on two legs. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I guess so, yeah. I always kind of assumed they would have the flexibility to stand or run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe mm. it was just kind of lazy in all the scenes we see. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't bother getting on the hind legs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't worth standing up for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, how, do, how do they then decide on the, the four legs? Do you know what, what prompts them to go that way? I can't remember what finally like made them make the decision. I think maybe it was just that Landis, ultimately, the buck stopped with him as the director. Sure, got the final shot on it, yeah. Yeah, and then I think Baker came up with an idea of how to actually do it. That was probably part of how they got there, too, which is it's a person laying down on a bit of a plank, like a dolly-type thing. Oh, okay. And using their hands as the arms of the werewolf, and you never actually see the werewolf's butt. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like you always see like the top half, really. Like yeah, the, yeah, the and the, you do see the back legs, but I don't. There's, I don't think there's a person operating those. I'm not sure how the back legs worked. Okay, okay. Any other background on this that we should talk about? The one thing I want to ask you about, um, I saw there was some uh, critics, uh, critics or uh, yeah, other people who tied the film and the meaning to uh, something about, like, you know, being Jewish in, in the U.S. or, like, uh, some something about, like, someone coming to terms with, like, their religion. Uh, did you read into that at all? Yeah, that was one of those things that struck me as people putting a meaning onto a movie that wasn't intended. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know for sure. I kind of stopped reading because, um, I don't know. It just yeah. Kind of I, I think when I saw... Of looking too deeply into it, but... Um, yeah. But I, I don't mean to poo-poo that idea. Yeah, you know, I think I saw one critic say that, and I, I kind of had that same idea, like, oh, this is someone just kind of, you know, trying to cram an idea in. But then another one brought it up, and then they even tied uh, the, the, there's a dream sequence in this one that I think has, like, kind of, like, demonized Nazis show up. So I do kind of wonder if there was some subtext here, uh, or or if it's just, you know, straight on, like, what yeah, what, what, what we see is what it is. Okay. Um, just an interesting layer I hadn't thought of. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was intended the whole time. I still, I feel like that is a part of me that existed before we started really analyzing movies. It's like, oh, yeah, right. But now I'm like, oh, well, writers purposely put meanings in there. <laughs> There's a meaning to things, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah, essentially, I, like, the otherness of of being Jewish on this European, or this trip to England. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Being encapsulated by being very much an other, yep, and being a werewolf. Yeah, and I, I think like like I, this was my first time uh, seeing this film. I, had you seen it before? I had, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I I thought like the direction they're going in, um, like what I picked up on was like this is about Americans, like their reputation abroad, and um, them kind of like uh, you know kind of being notorious for you know not following customs in other countries or something. And I thought this movie was kind of like trolling on that stereotype, but I, yeah, this other uh, theory also I thought was pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, do 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 you think there's a a subtext here? I don't know. Yeah, it's quite possible. I should have I should have dug deeper into that. Yeah, yeah. You think it's just about a American who goes to London and becomes a werewolf? <laughs> yeah, that's it. But you got a point with that dream sequence with the Nazi Nazi werewolves or whatever they are killing yeah, his yeah, entire I, I, family. I, yeah, I, I didn't put that together. But I, I thought, yeah, that kind of makes a little bit of sense. But yeah, yeah I didn't really realize they were Nazis at first. Same, same. Yep. Interesting. 
All right. Well, uh, should I hit the Ohio connection before we move on and spoil the plot and everything? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. As always, our Ohio connection comes from our friend Alex, who connects every movie we watch back to our home state of Ohio. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. You can go pick up beer, wine, or food safely from your car, order on Grubhub, or hang out on their socially distanced patio. And Alex says, an American werewolf in London co-stars longtime stage and film actor Griffin Dunn as Jack Goodman. Dunn's career spans four decades in film, many times in a supporting role, and his credits include My Girl, Quiz Show, Ocean's 8, and After Hours, for which he was nominated for a Golden Globe Award. Additionally, he had an uncredited role in the 1973 film flop The Pickle, which is about a group of farmhands who grow an enormous pickle and fly it to another planet. (laughs) Dunn's background role is that of a civilian on this new planet, and the name of the new planet is Cleveland, which is also Uh, the name of a world-class city in Ohio. Oh my god. What's the name of this movie? Pick The Pickle. The Pickle. They, they take a pickle to outer space? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has he seen this film? Uh, I doubt it, but I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the name of the pickle is Cleveland? The name of the planet they take it to. Oh, okay. The planet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he had to dig deep for that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope he's seen that movie. I'd love to ask him about that one. <laughs> uh, okay, man. Well, should we move on? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Actually, you know what, man? Uh, the sun is about to set here, and I think I might need to call you back either a little bit later tonight or, or maybe even tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you later. I'll, I'll call you back. Okay. man i'm back hey how you feeling good good uh i've never told you this but i'm this weird kind of werewolf that turns the same percentage of werewolf that the moon is illuminated oh god so it's pretty weird and tonight the moon's two percent illuminated so i just had to wait it out and see what part of me turned into a wolf which which part was it i'm good to keep going i just i got a wolf butt tonight so okay. shouldn't shouldn't impact our recording oh man that sounds pretty hairy <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty much the same down there. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, that reminds me, uh, do people still call each other carpet ass? Is that still a thing? That's, was that ever a thing? I think in high school. I feel like we had friends that uh, would get that term sometimes. Carpet uh, ass, oh my God. You you were in one of those, right? No, no, I was, I don't think my, I think <laughs> I have an average hair content back there. I was just making a joke. Oh, okay, okay. Boy, we've gone. We've gone off the rails at this point. <laughs> Pretty dark here. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember who that was now. All right. Y'all, if who I the carpet you. ass was? Yeah, whose carpet ass was that? <laughs> Must have been a werewolf. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm guessing yours is like a, a, a tile floor. It is, yeah. It's pretty slippery. You got to be careful. <laughs> I, I put one of the slippery when wet signs on it. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, Okay. So, in this plot... Oh, man, I did a crappy job writing down this plot, so we'll see how I can piece things together. All right. So, you've got these two friends who are 
riding in the back of a truck with sheep and it's clear that they hitchhiked hitchhiked and they are backpacking through london the guys are david and jack or through england rather the english countryside and uh they kind of wanted to go to italy and the one's pissed at the other one for deciding on england it's freezing and they go into this little pub where everyone is looking at them uh very much a fish out of water situation and they notice a pentagram on the wall and get kind of curious and one of the characters says you know that's the mark of the wolf man and the bar the people at the bar essentially kick them out um Mm -hmm. And afterwards, we get a scene in the bar where they're kind of arguing with each other, like they shouldn't let them go. And one of the guys says, like, the whole world shouldn't know our business. Um, I still don't know why they couldn't have just let them stay. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm not sure either. That's yeah. kind of confusing. So anyways, Jack is attacked. Um, and... The other dude, David, starts running and then thinks better of it and turns around, attacked by this creature who, you know, is a werewolf. And he comes back to start helping up his friends. His friend, he gets clawed in the face and knocked to the ground, and then the townies shoot the wolf. And then next to David, you see a dude, a naked man who's been shot dead. So the wolf has turned back to the man. Oh, I thought that was his friend. I was wondering why he was naked. But that was the, the wolf, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was the wolf. The, there was okay. some confusion. I read about confusion in, like, test screenings as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Like, who is that guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, um, I really liked uh, the, the the howling of the wolf, like, in the distance and, and like, how they use that to, like, uh, build the suspense of the scene. Yeah, it was actually pretty suspenseful. Um, a bit comical. Like, they have just a nice rapport, really casual. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got a nice little friendship there. Yeah, yeah, I love their dialogue. It's pretty they good. They do a good job developing the characters by just letting you feel like you're hanging out with them on this trip. Yeah, it feels very natural, just like two buddies hanging out, right? Yeah, yeah, good chemistry, good performances. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they say goodbye to the sheep, and you have lovely sheep, so it, it's got comedy notes right up front, too. Right, yeah, yeah, I appreciated that. Yeah. So, oh, did you think uh, David... I, one more thing. Did, did you understand the knock-knock joke that they were telling each other? No, I didn't. I didn't get that. Oh, man. I thought you'd explain it to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then David wakes up in the hospital, and he's kind of haunted by bad dreams. He has a dream of him waking up with a... It's kind of supposed to be a wolfish face, but he kind of looks like a vampire. Mm-hmm. Pretty creepy. Yeah. And he's telling everyone at the hospital in the U.S. Embassy that it was an animal that attacked him despite the town police's story that it was a, like, psychotic killer that had escaped or something like that. Yeah. Um, So he has this weird dream about, I think they were, like, wolfmen Nazis who raid his family home and kill everybody, which is kind of intense and creepy. They slit his throat. They shoot the entire family, including the kids, with the machine gun. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they like slice, uh, I think they slit his throat, right? At the end of it? Yeah. 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 I I thought this was like really random uh, when I was watching it, but it was was pretty creepy and scary. Yeah, it was super random. And then he wakes up and the nurse is there and he's like, I've just had a nightmare. She goes, not to worry. I've just, the the thing, she goes to open the curtain and then behind the curtain is another one of those werewolf Nazi things that stabs her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I jumped like a mile when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's so shocking. It got me. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a good pop out. 
And he's getting kind of flirtatious with this nurse all the while, who is played by Jenny Agutter. And did you recognize her from anything, Ash? Uh, I didn't. We've seen her before. She was the foster mom in Child's Play 2. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. So he's there in the hospital. He's having these visions. He's flirting with the nurse. um, And he sees David, a vision of David. And he's all gory and decomposing. Uh, he his, tells him he looks like shit, and he's like, "David, you're hurting my feelings." <laughs> his his face, man, that that looked awesome. Another great, yeah. I mean, everyone talks about the transformation scene, but the the makeup on Jack as he slowly decomposes through the whole movie is really great too. Yeah, yeah, and this one, like, he's got like holes in his face. Uh, yeah, you can like see some of his insides. It's pretty gross. Yeah, a random flap of skin just wiggling around on his face the whole time <sighs> while he talks. Yeah, yeah, that's so gross. <laughs> and he explains to Jack that he was killed by a werewolf and he is doomed to walk the earth in limbo until the last remaining werewolf is destroyed. And he tells David that that is him and he's got to kill himself before he kills others. And the last thing he says is, beware the moon, David. The nurse comes in, he explains this to her, they kiss. Um, and she's kind of got this weird thing going on where she thinks he's kind of nuts and feels sorry for him but is also like genuinely falling in love with him as well yeah that's that's an interesting relationship yeah (laughs) and she's he doesn't really have anywhere to go and she says she can he can stay at her house at her apartment uh and they kind of their romance progresses and it's pretty charming at this part part of the movie like he's kind of a charming actor yeah um the character is written in a charming way She's very charming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like the tone here. It's mm-hmm. kind of got a romantic comedy vibe as well. They, I, I love that scene of like both of them in the subway cart, like heading uh, out of the hospital. Like they're just kind of goofing around. Like you can tell yeah. there's like great chemistry between them. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but then at her apartment, he sees Jack in the mirror uh, for kind of a jump scare moment. And Jack's getting even more composed or decomposed. And, you know, reiterates the same stuff. Like, you'll kill and you'll make others like me. You need to kill yourself. And he's like, I'm not having a nice time here, David. <laughs> yeah, I love their, like, midnight dialogues. Yeah, yeah. Again, like, still that great chemistry is there uh, that existed at the beginning of the movie. And, and there's some, some... It's this weird brand of 80s comedy that isn't laugh-out-loud funny, but yeah, it's just funny. Yeah, and it's kind of charming, I think. Yeah, I was going to say charming, but I was like, we've said charming too many I, times. I know. That's such like an appropriate word, though, I feel like, for these like 80s films and like that level of comedy, that brand. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the doctor is getting kind of curious because David really maintained the entire time it was a creature that killed me, like or that killed Jack. Whatever they're telling you from this tiny town isn't the truth. So he goes to the slaughtered lamb, which was the bar they stopped in. And quick side note, the sound that the metal sign makes creaking as it blows in the wind before he goes into the bar is, Mm -hmm. I swear, a stock sound effect that I hear so often in movies. Oh, yeah. Do you ever have that happen to you where you're like, oh, yep, I've heard that exact sound effect a million times before. (laughs) I mean, like, as you say it, I can, like, hear it already. Yeah, Uh, yeah. like any time there's a metal sign blowing in the wind that you hear the exact same sound. (laughs) That makes sense. 
Um, so yeah, everyone at the bar is acting real suspicious and one of the locals ends up spilling the beans. Um, and I I don't think he spells it out and a hundred percent there, like it doesn't get cut off. Yeah. I think he maybe gets a little bit cut off by one of the other guys who's like, don't tell him anything, but the doctor knows enough to to understand what's happening now. Sure. Um, meanwhile, the nurse is at work and David is home alone in the apartment. There's a lot of moon themed songs that play as part of the soundtrack of this movie. I think there's a bad moon rising montage somewhere around here. Right. And David starts to transform. And as we mentioned, this, this transformation scene is iconic and it really, from what I understand, I haven't seen a ton of werewolf movies. Hasn't been done better since then. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to imagine it being done any better but what do you what do you think of this like i know it, it looks a little exaggerated and silly at times but what are your thoughts uh, I, w- I was blown away man uh, just like with how authentic it felt and yeah i don't think there's any cgi involved here and like how long the scene goes on for uh just the level of detail in terms of how it like plays out it never occurred to me that turning into werewolf could be so painful but like it hits him with like the shock and it goes on for like a few minutes and like his body's just slowly transforming and breaking itself and re- reforming and it just it looks so natural in a way uh i, I was i was pretty blown away like i'd, I'd never seen this before and i, I thought that was pretty impressive what, yeah what i think you? that was something new at the time that the the thought that it could be a painful process or that at least was, something people weren't super familiar with yeah yeah i know i i, I thought it'd be pretty easy and pain painless yeah like you said he's just sitting there on the couch and then he just screams jesus christ and he's <laughs> all of a sudden in extreme pain yeah yeah and then his body just kind of morphs very slowly yeah but the things that you see happening on screen just it's hard to even visualize how they could have done it without cgi like yeah i know it's it's very impressive like the hand like getting really long and the face like contorting yeah yep and sometimes it's not just like a hand with nothing in the background like doing it and the hand is the only thing in the shot it's like his face is in the shot he's looking at the hand yeah as it's happening it's just and other parts of the body are moving while other things are happening there's a lot going on and it's really well orchestrated it really is and like so many years later i feel like it still holds up as like a pretty great work of art for sure man i saw an interview with rick baker where he was talking about how he worked so hard him and his team and so long to get all this to work yeah and then they filmed it all in like a matter of minutes and then he was like okay we got it like it's done (laughs) or like a thing that he had worked months on was a 10 second shot wow and he just remembered feeling really disappointed until the screening of the movie and people gave it like a standing ovation after the transformation oh sure yeah yeah how so it was all makeup yeah it was all i mean not you know prosthetics and things you call it makeup as a generalization but yeah prosthetics and uh yeah. latex stuff like that mm. yeah that's wild yeah i think sometimes i don't know how they did these specific things but i think sometimes they'll use like little motors within the latex to make something move or stretch out or pulse oh okay okay sure yeah pretty yeah, awesome really, yeah really great and, and it's like five minutes right the length of the scene yeah like the transformation yeah, that is that about how long it took? Uh, I mean, it feels like it. Like it, yeah. it goes yeah, on longer it w- than you I mean, you it wasn't it a quick thing. They they really spent some time on it. Yeah, yeah. I can exactly. see how it would feel quick from the perspective of the special effects 
person who spent so much time working on it and each individual shot is probably you know 10 seconds tops right right and yeah. uh this is like i mean like up until this point i feel like it's been kind of like plot wise slower i think like since the attack uh and, and like maybe his dream sequences like this is kind of like the first big thing happening yeah his dream sequences are the only horror and the only real events and his visions of jack yeah, um, I guess. Nothing yeah. else happens, and you really, if you were a first-time viewer, wouldn't know for sure if he really is going to turn into a werewolf. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the transformation happens an hour into the movie. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, and then he does end up killing some people. There's um, random people outside their apartment. There's a chase scene in a subway, which I thought was pretty good. Oh, man. That subway scene uh, when the guy's going up the escalator and you see, like, the werewolf coming, like, from, like, below. Yeah. I, I love that shot. That's such a good Yeah, one. it was a good shot. It was, like, an aerial shot from the, uh, I mean, I'm sure the camera was stationary and on the ground, but it was up above, like, the top of an escalator looking down. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. You just see one. the wolf climb, crawl onto the scene. Again, no CGI. It's pretty rad. Right. That was really cool. I think the challenge of a werewolf movie, maybe not post-CGI, is that you can't really show, and even in this, they struggled to do it, a full-on werewolf attack and have it look good. Yeah. Like, when people got attacked, you maybe just saw a claw or the head. Yeah. You don't really see the wolf pounce on somebody. Yeah, I was wondering, why why do you think that is? Like, why why couldn't they show, like, I feel like the camera never really uh, showed the full werewolf or, like, a full attack. Do you know why, why that was? Yeah, well, you can't show you can't show that carpet ass because <laughs> <that> uh, <laughs> there's. I think there was a person like pushing it like a wheelbarrow. Okay. Um. So they couldn't really show that part. I mean, maybe they could have and did and and um. Like erase that image out of the film, but yeah, I, I remember Rick Baker talking about how they didn't didn't ever show the butt. Okay, yeah. So I think that's part of it. And because once you make the mechanics of a thing that moves like that, you can't really... I imagine it's pretty heavy and Mm. only moves a certain way, so you can't really pick it up and have it jump onto somebody. Oh, sure. Um, The weight of it probably is an issue and the fragility of it. It's only meant to move a certain way and you only have so much money to, to make, you know, you can't necessarily make maybe they could have but i'm guessing budget and time wise they couldn't make jumping werewolf and crawling werewolf but they would all have to be completely different models yeah i guess i i thought the werewolf was just like some dude in a costume but uh i guess that's not what it was huh well it was yes and no it was kind of a dude manning a puppet like inside a giant puppet okay okay so like limited mobility yeah yeah. yeah, he was. I from what I understood, he was basically laying on a plank of wood on wheels, mm-hmm. and his arms were on the ground, and that was what he was using to move forward. Okay. Um, and his arms were in the wolf, the costume wolf arms. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that explains a lot then. Yeah. So he goes on this killing spree, and he wakes up in a wolf pen at the zoo, completely naked. And you get this little kid who's like a naked American man stole my balloons, which was kind of funny. Yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, they're still they're still peppering in comedy throughout. Yeah. 
And then he finds out the next morning, he's like, I feel great. Like I've never felt better. I feel so athletic. And him and uh, the nurse are in a cab and he finds out from the cabbie that there were a bunch of murder victims last night. They were found half eaten. And then he starts to get the gist of it. He tries to get himself arrested and he sees Jack across the street outside of a porno theater. So he follows Jack in and this is a great scene here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Jack is sitting in the theater and he introduces David to all of the people he killed last night Mm -hmm. who were also all like bloodied and gored. Right. Um, And it was kind of funny too. Like two of the people are just super cheery and they're like, hello. Yeah. The couple's like, the tube is super pissed at him. Yeah. uh, Between that and and then the porno going on in the background. where it's like some dude walks in and he's like all upset and he's like, oh, I've never seen you before. And it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong room or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, between the characters and the dialogue and then the background porno, like this this seems hilarious. Yeah, the dude in the tube was just really pissed off and he's like, I'm a victim of your carnivorous nighttime activities or something like that. It was just, yeah, I can't really get the humor. I can't convey the humor to the listener, but... It was a charming, funny scene. And Jack is a puppet at this point. It's no longer actually the actor here. I mean, I think the actor is manning the puppet, but he's so decomposed at this point that there's not a person in there anymore. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And then this whole conversation where they're, like, giving him ideas on, like, how to kill himself, but, like, in a really, like, upbeat manner. (laughs) Yeah, like, ooh, a gun. (laughs) Yeah, a gun, that'd be good. (laughs) Yeah, or, like, uh, hang hang myself or something. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the scene a lot. And he has kind of considered killing himself at this point. Somewhere in here, he's in a phone booth. He calls his family and talks to his little brother or sister. Mm-hmm. And it's like, tell everybody I love them. And he takes a pocket knife to his wrist, but he can't do it. Yeah, right. Um, and then he turns again in the theater, kills some people. And they try to pin him into the theater. Like there's all these people outside the theater trying to hold up a barricade. And he breaks out and starts killing people. And it's just insanity here. I was kind of surprised by how the quick turnaround here from this gory at times horror comedy to this car pileup that was caused by the chaos. And people are getting thrown gorily from their vehicles and getting (laughs) run over and squished. Yeah. That that was I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, like there was so much focus on like all these accidents happening because of this event, right? Uh, and it kind of like took the emphasis off of like the fact you have a werewolf in like Piccadilly Square, and it's more about like all these cars just like crashing in and like hitting pedestrians. That's a good point because my notes are like that's a really impressive scene and it's crazy gory. Yeah, but you're right. It's not. Uh, it takes a lot of the focus away from the werewolf. Right. Yeah. It may be on purpose, maybe because of like that limited mobility you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah, it saves you from a whole bunch of like, here comes a paw, like into the frame to scratch this guy with the claws. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, so he eventually is backed into an alley and the nurse shows up and tries to like comfort him or something and calls him by name and there's a brief moment of recognition, but then he gets back to angry wolf face and goes to attack her and he is shot dead by the police and then you see his naked body there dead he's himself again and the nurse is crying i can't remember her name i just keep calling her the nurse what's her name alex alex sorry alex is crying and that's how it ends 
it's like a very abrupt ending like there's that scene and then suddenly there's like a very upbeat uh song about a moon again yeah yeah it is pretty abrupt yeah uh so yeah what do you what do you think of the ending as a whole here it sounds like you're a little bit down on it and uh and the movie as a whole uh, no, I actually, I, I like the ending. I, I thought, uh, like, starting from the, the scene where they're in the cinema, it, you got some great comedy with him uh, talking with the other characters, kind of like a final uh, send-off for him, and then the, you get that scare of a werewolf now, like, in downtown London and uh, getting cornered. And, yeah, there's, like, a lot of focus pulled off of him, but it still kind of, like, adds to the mayhem of, like, everything going on, which I, I liked a lot. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of like how he's put down and then it just ends drastically. I, I, I thought it was an interesting ending. Uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, agreed. I do like the carnage here at the ending with the car accident. I really like the scene where he confronts all his victims comedically, but also kind of, you know, he's confronting what he's done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the chaos and, you know, that's kind of how it has to end, but it did feel a little quick there. Sure. Um, yeah. As far as like the emotional... Uh, connection and wrap up with him and Alex sure yeah yeah it, it was I mean I, I feel like another movie like a, yeah I could, could have dragged that on and maybe like uh, had another sequence or two but I, I kind of appreciated like it, it kind of it hit all the angles that it was going for and kind of like knew when to call it quits in a way right uh, to, to keep it kind of abrupt yeah but, for sure there's definitely something to be said for for knowing when to call it yeah, yeah, and I, I wonder if it's like kind of comedic timing too to like just end it on on like so quickly of a kill. Which yeah, we should I just guess... play our outro music right now and end the episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good idea. <laughs> uh, and, and in this one, you didn't need silver bullets, right? Like I, I guess nor- a normal gun would kill the werewolf. No, that wasn't part of the mythos here for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Um, so this. Go ahead. Oh, did, did a part of you in this film ever doubt that he was actually a werewolf, that maybe it was all in his head? Uh, no, I didn't, but I, I know that's that's your angle to take. Yeah, I kind of thought, I kind of thought maybe, uh, you know, he wakes up in the zoo the next morning and like we see like, like the way the, the werewolf attacks are shown where you don't really see the full werewolf. It kind of like gave me the sensor heading towards a way of like keeping it open ended. Like, is he really a werewolf or is this like something like his mind kind of goes into because he's in shock from seeing his friend get killed early on in the film. But, uh, yeah, I think by the end of the film, you're right. Like they kind of take out all notion of that. Yeah, because people say like there's a giant dog attacking people or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it is a possibility for sure. Yeah, especially yeah. up to a certain point. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that would have been a cool way to leave it open ended. But yeah, they they they, they define so that kind, pretty well. Kind of as I was saying earlier, this is super in line with some other '80s comedies. Like I want to think of like Ferris Bueller, where you have this main character who's essentially like a charming, handsome guy who nothing sticks to and nothing really gets yeah. him down yeah i feel like there's some chevy chase movies like that in that vein yeah that was such like a big thing in the 80s like the male characters being like these uh carefree like uh lucky uh just like yeah uh really charismatic yeah you know, maybe a, like a little bit of a slacker but you know always gets away with it or whatever a hopeless romantic yeah <laughs> nothing matters yeah yeah <clears throat> um but I think that maybe is a a little bit of a mark against it for me. And some movies do this better. Like, typically, I, you want... In screenplay structure, you're supposed to 
air quotes, have a character that has some flaw that he has to confront at some point in the movie. Yeah. Uh, he really has no flaw, like a flaw that exists before the film starts. Sure. And like a Ferris Bueller type doesn't, but then you have like Cameron to fill that role. Right. And you get that cathartic scene with Cameron kicking the car, but you don't ever get that in this movie. In my opinion, like it kind of keeps its emotions at arm's length to me. Mm -hmm. There's no sweeping drama. Even that phone call to his family, like it could have been tear inducing, but it was just kept at this weird level of like eighties, like charmingly touching, but not, we're not going to try to really make you feel anything. So you never felt like he was under like too much distress or, uh, like, uh, like the personally, he wasn't like facing too many hardships or anything. He was, but you don't really see him or Alex go through the emotion appropriate to what's going on. She's just always like, oh, like you're kind of crazy, but I like you. (laughs) And he's like, no, I think I'm maybe a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, I feel a little bad knocking it for my personal uh, viewing preferences. It's it's a knock for me, but it's also what gives this movie its unique tone in a way. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be the same movie if it didn't have that weird arm's length emotion quirkiness to it. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. And, and yeah, that that is so hard because that that's what like a lot of these male characters were back then. Um but I almost feel like in that role, they are flawed because of their inability to be in that emotion or experience that emotion. Almost like that their flaw is keeping it an arm's length away. Like you're turning into this werewolf and you can't like really um, come to terms with it. Or, uh, you know, you're kind of maybe in, den- oh, I don't know if you're in denial, but there's like maybe like us uh, emotionally, you're not willing to embody it or something. Like I, I mean, I'm sure someone could... Uh, can like yeah say that right yeah yeah he like can't really quite come to terms with it because he refuses to feel anything deeply enough yeah and his playfulness is kind of like a uh, defense mechanism so that he can avoid feeling (laughs) what's what's going on inside which is uh he's a a murdering werewolf yeah that's totally fair that's totally fair but i also feel like it robs the viewer of any real cathartic moment in the movie yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, especially with, like, the newer films we see in the emotional depth that you get, um, more of the psychological elements, you don't get that so much here. Yeah, and then the, I think that's part of why the end feels a bit abrupt, too, because he's dead, Alex is crying, but there's no other real wrap-up between the two of them and their relationship. Yeah, yeah. We don't see her going through many emotions other than realizing that Oh, wait, maybe he's actually a werewolf. Oh, my God, there he is. Okay, now he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> true. Well, I, I mean, the, the, the relationship is like a, a two- or three-day relationship, right? It's not even like a very long one. So I, how, how vested are you in the relationship by the end? Right, yeah. I mean, that's true. But again, like, that's just kind of how movies work. Like, it doesn't matter how short the relationship, you're supposed to be super invested. And they've each told yeah. each other that they love each other. Oh, they had? I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, yeah, you're probably right, which that that's kind of crazy, but yeah. Uh, or at least he tells her he loves her. Yeah, he's like all spinning with her, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, no that's a really be? good point. Because, uh, yeah, because yeah, then the ending of like his death and like whatever happens to them isn't like that powerful, I guess. Right, right. Kind of robs you of it. Yeah. But I thought like that was more of a commentary on American tourists <laughs> and like <laughs> how, uh, you know, sometimes you think like the world is like, uh, you know, you're always certain like you can go out and just like, 
you know, pick apart, uh, go to places and enjoy it. Like tourists in general, you know, you, you go to different places, you're just there to have fun and stuff. And I thought that he was kind of like your typical tourist, I guess. You're not just, truly a part of it. You're just, <laughs> just there, there for like, a good time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he kills some people, I guess. All right. So his entire standoffishness, and I, I, I don't know if standoffishness is the right word, but his lack of feeling anything too deeply. Yeah. Is a commentary on tourism. I think so. And like oh. this idea of being on holiday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll buy it. Did, didn't you go to Europe uh, like uh, 10 years ago or something? Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been a few times. Do this, this, these feelings don't feel relatable to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I always felt really bad when I killed people on that trip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. Like that, 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 that part is missing for this movie. Like that emotional depth. Yeah, and that's just not quite the movie it is, and uh, that's fine. But yeah. I would have preferred a little bit more of that. But on that note, zero to five Nazi werewolves hiding behind a curtain. What do you give this? Uh, I think I'd give it four Nazi werewolves behinding, hiding behind uh, curtains. Like uh, I, th- I thought the characters were great. Uh, the storytelling was was fun. Uh, the visual effects obviously were just like amazing, like especially for its time. And uh, I thought there was like good lighthearted moments balanced with like gore and some scariness. Uh, I thought it could have been a little shorter because uh, I mean, like I feel like the beginning until it becomes a werewolf, uh, it, c- it can drag a little bit. Uh, but um, uh, I, yeah, and then the, the other thing I feel like uh, I would have loved to see more is like the more of the werewolf attack. I, it kept kind of bothering me that you couldn't see the full werewolf, but I get it. Like there were effect constraints there. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I think I'd go with four. What, what about you? Yeah, I'd go with four too. I've, I feel like I spent a lot of time um, complaining, but yeah, everything you said, I would echo the same. The performances were great as well. Um, it does have this weird, unique comedic tone that I dig. And yeah, uh, yeah, I think they they spaced out the dream sequences and the action well enough to to keep me engaged. So yeah, I almost just felt a little guilty for not giving such a classic a five. But uh, sure. but yeah, that that was that. As I explained, the whole emotional thing is my reason for for a four. But Got still it. a great movie, and yeah, the effects cannot be spoken highly enough of. And yeah, yeah I mean yeah. thriller. Thriller's so great, man. Right? I know. Yeah, it really <laughs> makes me appreciate that video a lot more. Yeah, That's, yeah, the two, the Rick Baker and and John Landis teaming up again, pretty cool. Yeah. And Michael That's Jackson right. was a huge fan of this, so he was he right. uh, sought them out. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, these guys did some great work together. So for you, uh, you would have given it a five if it had a little bit more hearts, I guess. I think it, I think there was a potential somewhere in here for me to uh, give it a five. Yeah. Okay. Or at least a four and a half. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I feel like if I saw the werewolf, I'd go four and a half for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything else before we start to wrap up? Uh, No, that's all I got. Cool. Well, that has been our discussion on an American werewolf in London, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to leave us a five-star review or rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find our show, and we really appreciate it. If you want to connect with us, you can go to horrormovieclub.com. And check out our social links drop down for Facebook and Twitter where we announce what we're going to cover next week. And we have a Discord server that you can find there and hang out with us and other horror movie fans uh, talking about movies, horror movies, and just kind of pop culture in general. 
It's a great time hanging out on that server, so feel free to join. We also have random articles, pretty old articles, on our website, horrormovieclub.com, if you want to check those out. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash horrormovieclub, where you can support the show financially and gain access to a few bonus episodes. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on etsy.com by searching Amy Mae Popart, all one word. Uh, and until next time, stick to the road and stay clear of the moors. And if you're from the U.S., you might need to Google what the moors are so you know how to follow that advice. <laughs> yeah, how surprising that was. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>